This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday evening. You can visit our website, atnshow.com, where you can get the uh, podcast normally each and every week, as well as the video versions of the program. As I uh, announced on the last program, um, I've accepted a new position or accepted a position at a uh, at a new job. I'll be doing uh, morning talk radio here in Wilmington on uh, 980 The Wave, 980 a.m. from uh, seven, excuse me, from six to nine a.m. starting May 3rd. So this will be the uh, final rendition, the, the, the series finale of against the norm we've got a lot to talk about we'll talk about some current events but i i want to look back at why this show was started originally what the goal was what the premise was and how that has adopted you know, how that's adapted over the year years rather uh, the show has uh, been in some form or the other since 2015 uh, so six years on and off the radio on and off podcast but uh, it's been it's been quite the ride so the original premise of the show, of course, the name Against the Norm, it was when I was a college student and the, the name was pretty simple. I was against the norm. Right? We've seen the indoctrination that has gone on across our education system, not just in college. It's starting as early as is pre-K and kindergarten. You've got these so-called uh, educators that are brainwashing children to believe just the most asinine stuff in the world. And God forbid you speak out against that as a, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a teenager or a young adult through the, through, through high school and through the early years of college, that's just not allowed. It's just, it's, it's not appropriate. The, the left, the side the philosophy of inclusion, which is what they always talk about, inclusion and fairness, only works if you follow their mantra. It only works if you agree with their political ideology. So that was the premise of the program, against the norm. Hey, I at the time was a, I don't know, a 19, 18-year-old just getting into college and was like, holy, holy moly, just getting into politics and holy crap. This is this is insane. I mean, what's being what's being talked about in classes is is nuts. I mean, I remember election the day after election day, two thousand sixteen, walking through campus with my MAGA hat on and my Trump shirt and my red, white, and blue socks and my American flag. I mean, it looked. I mean, it, they might as well have thought I was a freaking terrorist. That's how, that's how it looked. That's what people. <laughs> that's 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 the look I was getting from people. Like I had a freaking bomb strapped to my chest. It's ridiculous. Then, of course, going through th- classes throughout the day, you know, the the uh, calculus teacher. Oh, it's such a such a hard day to be in class. Really, it's a hard day to be in class. It's hard day for you to do your job because the person you didn't want became president. You know what I did after election day, twenty twenty? I know this is going to be shocking to a lot of people. I went to my job, and I did my job all day. Actually, I may have been off. I don't remember. It was either that or the day after. I went and did my job because I'm an adult. 
and that's what adults do. I obviously was not happy with the results of the 2020 general election. But I didn't have a mental breakdown at my desk during the day. I didn't refuse to work. I didn't call my boss crying frantically saying, oh, I need to take a day off. I need to take a day off. No, because I'm an adult. I'm a rational human being. There's the big difference between the, the crazy left and the right. These people are unrational human beings. They're irrational. And, that, and again, I've, since 2016 with that election, the day after that election, through college, just seeing the, the oh, the, the, whoa, last night was a, the last night was very sad. So I remember that. I don't remember what class I was in. Some, some, science, some gen ed science class. I don't know. It was a biology or chemistry or something like that. Some gen ed science class I was in. Teacher said, oh, last night was very sad as she, as she was staring right at me with my MAGA hat, my American flag on my pole, my Trump shirt. <laughs> having a great time, having a great day. So that was the premise of the show. And it's obviously adapted over the last five years or so. My political IQ has um, grown significantly. You know, at my age, I'm 24. Um, 2016 was the first presidential election I voted in, obviously. Um, but my political IQ is, has, I mean, I went from being, you know, at my age, having no political IQ at all. I would consider myself I would have considered myself a very uneducated voter. And over the past 5 years of of doing this program and 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 being in and around the political space, I think my political IQ is, has grown and I hope yours has as well. Hopefully part due in part to to some of the conversations we've had on this program and other programs. Whether it be podcasts or radio shows or television shows, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, whatever it may be. I hope your political IQ has grown as well. It's just so shocking to me each and every day when you talk to people that are not politically engaged. They have no idea what's going on, especially locally. When we've got we've got municipal elections coming up later this year. People have no idea what's what the deal is with that. They don't they don't know who the candidates are. They don't even know what seats are up. No idea. So you know, looking forward, looking at my path forward with this new opportunity, being a morning uh, radio show host. Now, of course, politics is you know that's going to be a huge part of it, and we'll talk a lot about politics. We're going to talk a lot about our community. Why are people not engaged in things that are so important to them? Why do they? Why are they not interested in things that affect their daily lives? Why are they not? Why are they not interested in things that cha- that could potentially change the way that they live? It's, it's it's almost unbelievable to me. But then, of course, you look at the real problem, and it's the media. It's the media for the last for the last five years that has been polarizing. Your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, your family members. That's that's the issue. That's long and the short. People don't want to watch that. So they say, you know, I just don't watch the news at all. That's a shame. I mean, I'm not a, obviously not the uh, biggest news watcher in the world. I don't I don't watch a lot of traditional news, but boy, do I sure read a lot. 
Boy, do I sure look at a lot of articles online. So why are people so disinterested in politics? Because, because it sucks. I mean, that's the long and the short of it. It's depressing. It's stressful. Pisses you off every single time you look at something. We got to change that. And I mean, I don't have all the answers here. I've made this reference a million times on this program. I don't have the crystal ball. I don't have all the solutions to the problem. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't like talking about things unless I have a decent solution. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to do my damnedest, and I've been doing so on this program and some of my other involvements over the past few years to try to change that. For, for people that don't know, I'm the, the chairman of the Young Republicans here in uh, southeastern North Carolina, Pender, Brunswick, and New Hanover counties. We have a lot, lots of things that we're doing, things that we're trying to do to get people engaged, to get people involved, to get people to care, especially young people. We had a political event uh, Saturday. I mean, the, the average age in the room was freaking 55, if not older. Young people are obviously engaged in politics. They're obviously engaged some way or the other. You see it on social media. You see people driving around with the Trump stuff on their car. They're engaged. You see them at the gun shows. But for some reason, they have no political IQ. And that's a real shame. And I get it. Nobody wants to watch the news. Nobody wants to pay attention to this stuff. It's depressing and it's sad. And it's just, it, it's, its main goal is to pin you against your neighbor. Pin you against your friends and your family. Create division. Divide and conquer. That's the media's mantra. That's the Democrats' mantra. Divide and conquer. Make each side of the aisle hate, hate each other beyond belief. It's really sad that it's come to this point, but it's not surprising. Going back to 2016, Donald Trump was truly the monkey wrench. And you've seen this division. You've seen these attacks, this nonsense that is being portrayed by individuals in the media every day since. And I'll say it over and over and over again. They still, and when I say they, I'm talking about members of the media, they still do not comprehend and do not understand why their golden girl Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. They're still pissed off about that. They cannot fathom how Orange Man became the president in 2016. They can't comprehend it. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you tell them. Doesn't matter what they say. say see or say. None of it matters. That's the issue right there. How did Hillary Clinton lose to Orange Man? That's it. So why are we so divided? Why are we so pinned against each other? Well, because we're told to be. You're told to. You're told the people that you don't agree with are the worst things ever. They're racists. They're Nazis. They're white supremacists. They're, they're this. They're misogynists. They're xenophobes. We call them the isms on this program. So we, media, they pin the two sides against each other, left versus right, divide and conquer. 
Problem solved. It's really sad. And I'm not one of these people, because you hear a lot of this on the left, excuse me, you hear a lot of this on the right, that the fight is lost. The fight is over. We've lost. Now, maybe you have lost the fight. Maybe you've given up on the fight, and that's fine. Not everybody's cut out for the fight, but the fight is not over. The fight is not done. I'm too young and too politically involved at my age to say, you know what, there's just no hope for America. There's no hope for this country. That's not something I'm willing to accept. It's not something I'm willing to accept. And it wasn't something that Donald Trump was willing to accept. You obviously saw that through his presidential campaign in 2015 and through 2016. He was not willing to accept that America was losing. So what did he do? Put his money where his mouth was and became president. But it doesn't stop with him. We've talked about this as well. Trump was the vessel for the message. Trump is not the message. He's part of the message for sure, but he's not it. It's so much more. There's so much in that message. And for a lot of people, myself included, that message woke the sleeping giant. 350 plus million American people. Sleeping giant has been woken for a lot of people, and you're going to continue to see it over the next two to four years. Under the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris administration. With conversations about Second Amendment, conversations about court packing. Yes, you heard me right. There's conversations about court packing. There's a committee looking into the size of the Supreme Court. People are only going to get more and more upset, more and more divided. What's the end solution? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I don't have a time machine. I can't tell you. But as I said earlier, I'll be damned if I'm giving up the fight at, at this point. I mean, to me, it's just begun. And that might be my age. That might be me being naive. That's fine. You live and learn. But I'm not ready to give up the fight. And you shouldn't be either. What did we talk about leading up to November? What are you doing to get involved? What are you doing to be engaged? Posting on Facebook doesn't count. Posting on Signal and Telegram doesn't count. Tweeting doesn't count. What are you actually doing? Or are you too lazy? It's a valid question. Are you just too lazy? I'm lazy about plenty of things. I'm not going to sit here on my, uh, my high horse. I'll fully admit I'm lazy on plenty of things. But when I say I care about something, I put my money where my mouth is. And not everybody's got money. I don't. I'm a 24-year-old. So what do I do? Action. What did I do during the 2020 general election? Knocked doors and made phone calls. Helped people get elected. There's no question about it that I and my group of individuals in Southeast North Carolina had an impact on local elections. There's no question in my mind about it. What did you do? Did you do nothing? Were you just assuming and hoping everything was just going to work out? Well... I don't want to be the guy that points it out. I don't want to sound like a jerk, but that didn't work. And now we're in a pretty dire situation. So as we go through the next two years, of course, the Senate primaries are going to be incredibly interesting to watch in November of 2022. And then a general election in 2024. 
This is the time now to be planting those seeds. This is the time now to get involved with a local group of something. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's the GOP group. I don't care if it's a grassroots group. I don't care if it's a women's club or a men's club or whatever. Some sort of political club. Then now is the time to get involved with it. Now is the time. You can't wait until two weeks before the election and go, I'd like to help. Well, that ship has sailed. And I had plenty of that leading up to November. Three weeks before the election. What can we do to help? Well, we've been doing stuff for the last six months. You're a little late to the game. Not that we don't want help. But what's done has been done. So now you don't have to worry about a presidential election this year. In most cases, you just have small municipal elections, which are very important. So it's a great time to plan. It's a great time to get involved. It's a great time to start something. And I'm not just going to sit here and tell you to do it. I'm, I'm an example of it. As I said, I was uh, just recently reelected the chairman of the Young Republican Group. Now, my responsibilities aren't incredibly high with that. But it's something. I'd say it's more than 99% of what other people do. Just something to think about. As we go forward with this chapter of, of Against the Norm Ending and the new chapter, uh, Wilmington's Morning News with Nick Craig on 980 AM in Wilmington, 980 The Wave. These are the kinds of conversations we're going to be having. So it'll be a different venue for the program. It'll be a lot longer of a, ve- a, lot longer of a program, 15 hours a week. It's compared to one, not even one, 45 minutes normally. It'll be a different, ve- it'll be a different venue, but it's going to be the same message. Because it's so important. It's too important. We can't afford to continue to sit back on the sidelines. It doesn't work. 2020 was a great example of it. Too many people sat on the sidelines and had their fingers crossed and hoped for the best. And I think a lot of that cost Trump the election. I really do. Because his support was overwhelming. But a lot of people didn't want to get involved. A lot of people didn't want to get engaged. And I think it really screwed the Republicans. But hey, let's not live in the past. Because right, there's nothing we can do about it. Let's look forward. What can you do now? to make an impact municipal elections this year midterms next year do something stick with us we'll be back you're listening to against the norm with nick craig final segment of the show this is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. You can visit our website, atnshow.com. To uh, keep up the date with uh, the new program and everything that's going on with that, I would uh, recommend that you visit my website, nickcraig.com. That's nickcraig.com. Uh, there's a little coming soon page up there right now, but it will uh, soon have all of the information that you'll need uh, to get access to the to the new podcast and links and all the stuff for, for, the, for the new show. So check that out, nickcraig.com, and of course, atnshow.com as well. We'll have that uh, set up to redirect to the, uh, to the website. So um, <clears throat> we were talking about political involvement and action and um, all that fun stuff in the, in the last segment. What you're seeing go on right now with certain states, Florida and Texas, are, the, are a great example of the beast that Trump woke. What you're seeing 
with Ron DeSantis is, I think, the greatest example of it. And I mean, I know that there's some controversial things about him, but I am a huge fan of Ron DeSantis. I think, and and it's very early on, don't hold my feet to the flames on this. If I had to snap my fingers right now and say, who's the presidential uh, nominee for 2024? Ron DeSantis is my current front runner. There's no question about it. Young, conservative, balls of steel, <laughs> as you've seen. Incredibly high political IQ. But all of this really would not have been possible without Trump. It really wouldn't have been. I don't think people really were awoken to what was going on until they saw it on the national stage. And that's had a domino effect. And there's good sides of it and there's bad sides of it. No question about it. But what you're seeing with these vaccine passports that are trying to be rolled out across certain states... And the pushback that you're seeing from actual conservatives, the pushback that you're seeing from people that actually believe in our Constitution. I heard I saw a great uh, quote from from Don Jr. the other day, and he said something to to the effect of um, if you are not speaking out against vaccine passports and you're a Republican, you should probably find another party. I agree with that 100 percent. I've met, I've said this a, a, a whole bunch for people that that know me. There are certain hills that are worth dying on politically. There are obviously some that are not. I'll give you a great example. The bathroom bill in North Carolina, in my opinion. Pat McCrory died on the wrong hill. Bathroom bill was not the hill to die on. But what you're seeing down in Georgia with the voter integrity laws, now that's a hill that's worth dying on for sure. Vaccine passports and your rights to travel as an American citizen, that's a hill worth dying on. And you're starting to see, and I'll continue to use the word Republican, even though people, oh, I'm a conservative, I don't care, it doesn't matter. It's a label. It doesn't, we, we don't do labels here on the right. I don't care. You understand what I'm saying? We're finally starting to see these individuals on the right stand up. And it's because they learned from Trump. It's that they were able to rendezvous Trump's energy and see, hey, this guy's not afraid. I shouldn't be afraid either. That's a tough thing to do. It's tough to try to be as uh, brave as somebody like Donald Trump was and is standing up and and really calling out anything and everything because he had nothing to lose. Some of these other people do have things to lose. Right, Ron DeSantis has a lot to do. He's not a he's not a, a billionaire like Donald Trump. He's a governor of Florida. He's absolutely got stuff to lose. Greg Abbott in Texas, he's got stuff to lose. Brian Kemp in Georgia, he's got stuff to lose as well. But it's nice to see that these guys are willing. Some of them are will are starting the conversation, starting to stand up. And what are you seeing on the backside of that? Incredible grassroots support. To me, that's the goal. You look at the success of the Tea Party during the Obama years. It wasn't the RNC that was doing that. It wasn't the Koch brothers. It wasn't AFP. It wasn't any of these groups. I mean, I guess it was a little bit of AFP. But it was grassroots. It was people getting upset enough to go out and get involved. I think you're going to see a whole hell of a lot of that over the next two to four years. No question in my mind. Once people are ticked off enough, 
they start changing. They start doing instead of talking about doing. They start actually having an impact because they're sick of, well, I don't know, losing. And you're seeing it even across the aisle. The Democratic governor, excuse me, the Democratic mayor of North Las Vegas announced Tuesday that he is switching political parties. Yes, you heard me right. The Democratic mayor of North Las Vegas, John Lee, announced that he is switching political parties. He said, here's a quote. When you're a pro-life Democrat, a pro-gun Democrat, and a very conservative person, that's not really well known in the Democratic Party anymore, Lee said in an interview. And so, far, and, and so for me to hang out as long as I did, hoping the party would change, it didn't. It got worse. I found a new place where I can put my, um, where I can put my allegiance to help and once again forget about the last eight years. It's about the next four years that predict the future. So he's announcing that he is going to become a Republican due to the socialist takeover of the Nevada Democratic Party leadership. And he put it out on Twitter. Make the switch. Join me in making the switch to the new Republican Party. Boy, you talk about having balls. John Lee, mayor of North Las Vegas. I mean, I don't really know all that much about him. But from what I read this past week, I mean, that's, a, that's quite a thing to do. But see, that's exactly the stuff that we've been talking about. You heard, you heard it from the, the mayor here. Being a pro-life Democrat, a pro-gun Democrat, and generally a conservative person doesn't work in the Democrat Party anymore. What is known as the classical liberal is not allowed. It really doesn't exist in the Democrat Party anymore. Now, I'm not, I don't follow Democrat Party politics in Nevada all that closely. Actually, I don't follow them at all, to be honest. But I can imagine, similar to a lot of other Democrat parties across the country, there is this takeover going on. You've got the radical left taking over the party. And it puts people like John Lee and a whole bunch of other blue-collar Democrats in a really tough position, a really tough situation. Because their ideology is, is essentially being washed out of the party. If you're not a radical extremist, well, you're not invited to our party. You're not invited to hang out with us on the Democrat side. You've got to be BLM. You've got to be Antifa. You can't, you can't be pro-life. You can't be pro-gun as a Democrat. And look what they're doing with, uh, with, with Manchin. They're crucifying him. He's a Democrat. He's been a Democrat his entire life. He's a classical liberal, though. He's a classical Democrat. He's not falling lock and step with the socialist agenda that the left is trying to push. He's not going to support your Second Amendment rights getting stolen away by the federal government. He's already talked. He's already, he's already said this. So it's putting a lot of Democrats in a very tough and uncomfortable situation. It's great for the Republicans. I love that phrase that uh, John Lee is using in Nevada. Make the switch. 
damn straight make the switch. And some would say, well, day late and a dollar short. I don't think so. Make the switch. Do it whenever you can. Do it however you can. We should not be criticizing. We should not be arguing with people. We should not be saying, oh, well, you didn't, you know, what have you done? No. Somebody wants to make the switch. Let's do it. Let's promote that. I mean, the left claims they're the party of openness and inclusion. No, they're not. It's actually the Republicans that are. It's actually the right. Because we really don't care. See, that's the big thing. That's the big difference. Is for most people, myself included, as a strong conservative, I don't really care what you do. As long as it doesn't affect me or doesn't harm me or put me or my friends or my family in harm's way, I really don't care. Maybe that's more of the libertarian side of me, but I just I don't I don't I don't really care what you do. Because most likely it doesn't have any impact on my life. So if you want to go out and smoke weed and do whatever, I, I don't I don't care. It's not something I care about. It's not a hill I want to die on. As a conservative, I just, I just don't. But somehow we've been labeled the party of bigotry. The party that is actually pretty progressive, which would be us, has been labeled the party of bigotry. You know, in the 2020 election, more women were elected to the House and Senate by Republicans than anybody else. More Republican women in the House and the Senate. This is coming from the crazy misogynist Republican Party that we've been told. More women and more women of color than the Democrat Party. But of course, you won't hear any conversations about that. Because, well, you use the R word. Republican. Conservative, GOP. And a lot of that is our own fault. We have a terrible, terrible identity crisis in the Republican Party. Terrible. Oh, it's disgraceful. I'm working on changing that. I'm really trying. But we have a terrible identity crisis. And it's not, it's not flipping a light switch. It's not, it doesn't change overnight. But it's something that has to be done. No questions asked. It has to be done. Has to. So no, I'm not, you know, a, a lot of, I, I hear this, you know, now that uh, events are, political events are starting back up. I hear a lot of this, this doom and gloom. And I'm just not buying it. I'm, I, I will not accept it. I don't sign off on it. I don't agree with it. There is so much impact that you can still have in a local area, in a community, if you actually care. If you really want to put in the work, you really want to spend the time, it's totally worth doing, in my opinion. So that's where we stand. That's the current state of things going on. There's a lot of things to work on all across the country, not just here in southeastern North Carolina. But it's also important to understand that you really don't have control over those other things. Because I hear that same thing a lot as well. 
well, Georgia and this and Pennsylvania. Well, I, hey, I don't live in Georgia or Pennsylvania. I live in Wilmington. I live in North Carolina. I've said this repeatedly. We did our job during the 2020 general election. We delivered the state for Trump. We delivered Supreme Court candidates. We delivered cabinet candidates. We did it. The two big races, of course, we lost were governor and uh, attorney general. Other than that, it was a whopping success for the Republican Party. So you're right. Maybe Georgia didn't do the job that they were they, they were supposed to, but it looks like they're trying to rectify it now with passing these new uh, voter ID laws in Georgia, which is, of course, come under incredible uh, scrutiny. Having the uh, uh, baseball league, the, uh, MLB, move the All-Star game out of Georgia. They're moving it to Colorado over Georgia's election laws, which, by the way, Colorado has stricter election laws than Georgia, has less days of early voting, and happens to be far more white than Atlanta, where the game was actually where the All-Star game actually takes place or had taken place or was supposed to take place. So the woke mob on the left took the All-Star game out of Georgia, which has it, it took it out of Atlanta rather, which has a much higher black population. And they're moving it to like Boulder, Colorado. Which will cost upwards of $100 million worth of economic damage inside of Atlanta. A lot of those businesses in Atlanta happen to be owned by people that are black. So the woke mob, yet again, makes a gut decision, gut reaction. And now they're hurting the people that they say that they claim they want to help. This is the hypocrisy on the left. These are the things that you need to be calling out. These are the conversations that need to be had. Because it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. These people don't stand for what they say they do. It's, cl- it's, it's clear as day. It's clear as day. It's right in front of you. you just, it's, it's, it's right there. You just have to look at it. But somehow that has become a hard thing for us to do in this country, to just look at the facts, look at what's actually going on. That's become a complicated issue. And that's a shame. It's a real shame. So that's it. That's all I got. As I uh, mentioned last week and uh, mentioned earlier in the program, I am transitioning to a uh, to a new job. <clears throat> I will be a morning uh, political talk show host here in southeastern North Carolina on the great 980 AM, the wave W.A.A.V. You'll be able to find uh, links and information on all of that stuff at, uh, of course, atnshow.com. We'll have that set up. And then if you uh, want to stay up to date with all of the other ongoings, you can visit nickcraig.com. That's nickcraig.com. It has been a pleasure over the past um, five, six years. I haven't really kept track of uh, doing this program. Appreciate everybody that has tuned in on various forms via the podcast, via the, uh, the, via the radio. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. 
We'll see you in a few weeks on 980 The Wave.